We haven't entirely nailed down what element it is yet, but I'll tell you this, it's a lively one. Let's give your parents a call right now. Welcome to episode number 45 of Gaming with the Moms. My name is Nicole Tanner. I am managing editor at Pixelkin.org and the mother of a three-year-old. I am joined, as always, by fellow mom and publisher of Pixelkin, Linda Brenneman. Hi there. And editor-in-chief and founder of Engaged Family Ga- Gaming, St- Stephen Dutzman. Hey, Stephen. well met, everyone. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. well met. We're going to do the well met now. Um, and then joining yeah, I think that's going to be my thing. Okay, that works. That works. And joining us for the first time today is Kelly Knox, who is an editor at Geek Mom, and she's written a bunch of stories for Pipskin as well. She's awesome. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi, Kelly. Welcome. You are Thank awesome. You. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this today, but there's a trailer for a new movie going around called Sausage Party. It's, uh, have you seen that? <laughs> it's so funny. It is the first ever R-rated animated film. and it's, that, that can't be true. Well, I don't know. Um, I don't, that's that can't be true. That's what they're saying, anyhow. So, uh, but anyhow, it's made... I, I remember Fritz the Cat in the 70s oh. was X-rated. Oh, okay. yeah, South Park was <laughs> yeah. also animated. I'm just oh, going to yeah, make yeah, it yeah. South yeah. Park was also that's animated. True. That's true. Yeah, I actually, I, I think they said CGI. So oh, it's okay. in a separate category. But anyhow, right. so this <laughs> this movie is made by like the people who did Knocked Up and Superbad and all those really, really cool movies. And it is hilarious. Definitely not for kids, but the trailer just cracked me up. It's been floating around my Facebook feed all day today. So check that it's out. Awesome. I, I, yes, you should check it I out. I have a prediction on that one. I predict that that movie is going to be far more deep than it has any reason to be being that I I think it's going to touch on like religion and various other things in ways that I don't think any of us were really expecting possibly like when I first saw it I thought it was honestly like a kid's movie and then I watched a little bit more and I was like oh hey this is well is it going to be stupid like lots of times trailers make things look really awesome but then they're not awesome when you see them but then I saw like you know from the writers of Superbad and Pineapple Express and then the cast is like all of the major players from those movies like Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill and all those guys so I have high hopes I I hope (laughs) that it will be good the trailer is hilarious um uh, don't let your kids see it. Uh, anybody <laughs> choose to do it, but but it's really funny just for yourself. Okay, so let's get started, like we always do, with some news. Um, new study, another yet another study has shown us that gamer kids are smarter and more social than their non-gaming counterparts. <laughs> so Linda, you wrote yeah. a story about this. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, I wrote that headline, which is maybe a little misleading, but um. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it, actually, the data is great. It's a study of 3,000 kids in Europe in different EU countries. And they came up with some really good results with kids testing to be more social and doing better in school if, cool. if they game five or more hours a week. So not, mm. not just a tiny little bit of gaming, but really, you know, kind of your, yeah. mi- your Minecraft kids, those kind of kids. <laughs> They're, yeah. uh, they they benefit, so that's really cool to know. Yeah. There was a study, early, was it last year, that said, like, kids that play, like, an hour a day of video games sort of fall into that, that middle sector of, like, being good, so it's not too little and it's not too much. Yeah. Um, I forget what that study was called, but I remember reading about that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so gamer kids rock. So in yeah. case you yeah. have... <laughs> 
<laughs> in case you have uh, dealings with parents who will try to tell you otherwise, which we all run into. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, those nervous moms that worry about their kids playing a little bit of Minecraft, I, yeah. I think they need to relax a little bit, calm down. Yeah. Because it's fun. Yeah, I think they don't realize how social video game playing, playing really can be. And that was right. my favorite part of the study was that it showed that they had improved social skills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. All that teamwork. Yeah. Yeah. Even my daughter, she uses it to, um, she'll FaceTime her friend and then they will play video games together. Her friend moved away last year. And so this Aww. is like the Aww. way that they can still get their social interaction. It's amazing to me. That's the, so the, cool. Yeah. That's very cool. To, to kind of piggyback on some of that like interaction and it, it, the idea of giving them something to bond over, you know, my, my I've got a, as we talked about before, I have a 10 year old now and a seven year old boy and the, the, the fact that if they see a kid with a Pokemon card, um, or a kid with a you know a Mario shirt, like they immediately are BFFs forever, <laughs> and will just go on and they'll instantly have something to talk about. And I, that's yeah. something that gamers and like kind of geek culture we all know, right? Yeah. I'm in, from New England. I see a guy in a Tom Brady jersey. I know I can talk to him about something. This is that kind of signifier where it gives them something that they're automatically comfortable with. And because they immerse themselves in it, it's not something that they just experience. It gives them that just extra claw that they can use to help kind of build lasting bonds. No, I mean, we could talk about teamwork and stuff like that, but there's something to be said about using it as a weapon to make friends. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely. Yeah, it's, totally. It's hilarious. But... <laughs> uh, we should all use weapons to make friends. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to ask. I'm a LARPer, man. I do that. <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask Kelly. We didn't talk about this yet. Do you have kids? I do. I have one daughter. She's seven. Okay. And, and she she loves uh, Minecraft. Yep. And lots and lots of Nintendo games. They actually Facetime to play Splatoon. They they'll be on the same team yes. and they'll just nice. talk. Right. They'll nice. watch the game, but just leave the Facetime on so they can talk to each other about it. That's yeah. very cool. They're they're the people that have too much communication that are kicking my butt. That's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, they have strategy. Seven-year-olds strategy. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Okay, so other news. People will probably think that I just put this in there for, for me to talk about, and honestly, I, I did. Um, so <laughs> PopGappy is making a collectible card game called Plants vs. Zombies Heroes. It's uh -oh. going to be coming out on mobile platforms later this year. I love Plants vs. Zombies. Anybody who listens to this podcast know I love Plants vs. Zombies. Yeah. This game is, I, mean, I don't know for sure, but everything that they've released so far, it just sounds like a blatant, blatant ripoff of Hearthstone, <laughs> which has me torn. So, you know, I, I have no problem with, you know, with games sort of being similar to each other or taking inspiration from each other, but this, all of the stuff that they've released is so, so similar. It just makes it really hard for me to like it. Steven, I think you have thoughts and feelings. Would you like to share that? I do, in fact. I do, in fact, have thoughts and feelings. I'm questioning <laughs> the... I'm going to say this. This is be, Seeing as the last episode was t entitled In Your Face, Steven, I think it's fair <laughs> for me to fire back. Yo, um, go for at it. At least a little bit in a friendly way. I find it interesting that you would be upset at a collectible card game. Oh, here it comes. Okay. When when for copying like the you know the the stylings of hearthstone when there i i i don't know if I, where i heard about it like i think it might have been like on some neogaf thread there was another collectible card game before hearthstone was it like magic oh <laughs> yeah the that magician? yeah i know that like, magic something so, oh, whatever that magic something <laughs> so 
while I understand that Hearthstone is your jam, mm-hmm. and by your jam, I mean your nearly unhealthy obsession, and I... Hey, you know what? I I can keep that down to about half an hour a day. I think that that most studies would tell us that that's that's an acceptable amount of game playing (laughs) per day. Okay, that's fair. All right, so (laughs) you have the studies to back it up, right? Um, so anyway, so I, 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 while it's your jam, I think you know there's plenty of room in the space. We also know later on this year there's going to be an Elder Scrolls one and a Star Wars one, right? From EA and from Bethesda. So. There's going to be a lot of digital card games, and I've gotten press releases about a bunch of them. Yeah. So, uh, about, like, not branded ones. So if you're worried about, like, Hearthstones, I mean, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. There's going to be a I, lot of those. Yeah, no, I'm not worried at all. I don't expect anybody to actually, ever, like, even come close to the success that Hearthstone has had. But, like, when I saw Plants vs. Zombies card game, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I love Plants vs. Zombies. I now know that I love collectible card games like this would be great and then it's like th- they even have the same title like it's plants vs. zombies heroes the full name of hearthstone is hearthstone heroes of warcraft and they're calling their their people heroes i don't know if you did that in magic or not steven you can correct me if i'm wrong on that but i don't think you called yourself a hero did you no i'll accept that, I'll accept <laughs> that criticism no i did not we were wizards okay oh okay wizards <laughs> and planeswalkers got yeah. it yeah so, so anyway. i don't know yeah, we'll see. I'm um, I would think you could. I mean, I'll probably check it out. I can't say that I wouldn't check it out. Steve Lubitz told me on Twitter not to do it, but uh, I'm I saw a, that. Yeah, I'm not as obsessed with the collectible card games as as he has gone. So, I think I would have time for another one where he definitely probably would not. Okay, so that's my Hearthstone thing. Sorry, I had to talk about Hearthstone. Everybody knows this podcast knows I talk about Hearthstone. So. Had to get out of my system. Do you play, Kelly? Have you ever played the Hearthstone? I have not. I I think I made it through the tutorial, but I never made it past that. Yeah, that tutorial is kind of tough. It is. um, Yeah, it really, really prepares you for what's going to happen to you when you go into ranked play. So it's tough, but at the same way, it's it's kind of good in that in that fashion. (laughs) So, Game Developer Conference. Game Developer Conference is an annual conference for game developers, hence its name. You get a lot of different people in the industry giving talks and panels and sessions about all types of things related to game development, most of which are probably over most people's heads unless you are part of the industry and are really, really into it. I mean, even the programming panels are completely over my head when I went to one to find my husband one year. And, like they're talking programming. Pro- I always say that when people are talking about programming, I hear like the adults from the Peanuts cartoons. Yeah. Like that's what it sounds like to me is wah, 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 wah. so but anyhow so um so the game developers conference is going on in san francisco right now a big thing that has been going on there is is vr vr is i mean we've known it's huge but it's getting even bigger now so slaystation vr was just announced it's coming out in october it is going to have a price point of 399 dollars although you do need a playstation 4 camera in order for it to work and that's 60 dollars of additional cost if you don't already own one so so yeah there's lots of vr demos for playstation vr going on at gdc but there's been a ton of news come out on vr this this week in general um i'm just going to skip to one really quickly ubisoft is releasing this game called werewolves within which is a virtual reality board game quote unquote is how they're referring to it they're trying to create the experience of sitting around a table playing a board game with people only in virtual reality but steven as the board game guy i would like to hear your thoughts and feelings on this sure um <laughs> for those that obvi- that don't know about what the 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 
experience she's talking about. The the idea is everyone with an Oculus or with an Oculus or PlayStation VR, everybody with a virtual reality headset is sitting around a campfire and everyone is assigned a role randomly and one of you is the werewolf. And the idea is everyone is given 5 minutes of gameplay to talk and role play as your character, but also use certain abilities cuz you get like different abilities that are randomly dealt out to try and determine who the werewolf is mm -hmm. and the werewolf wins if someone else gets killed and the people win collectively if they guess the right person and then there are some other roles that you know for example if you're there's one role where if you're not the werewolf but you get people to believe that you're the werewolf and kill you then you win huh. so you have to be like <laughs> subtly you know whatever so this is a very commonly used board game mechanic it's a hidden trader mechanic that wormed its way into a number of games there is in fact a werewolf game that this is to my understanding loosely based on that is that's the rules it's straight up you just mm. deal out cards and you play a certain number of rounds and then you have to guess who the, the person is i will be honest being that most of the games that i play are played among different skill levels and different levels of cognitive ability mm. i don't play a lot of hidden trader mechanic games largely because if you give a seven-year-old the card that says they're the werewolf, they're going to have like this crazy smile. Right. Most kids, yeah. most kids, thankfully, are not very good liars. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a huge amount of experience, and I'll be honest, I personally don't care for that mechanic. I prefer to be rather upfront about my evil. I'm fine with competitive play. It's just I don't like the idea of kind of throwing it under the rug, etc. Mm. Um, but I think it looks awesome. I think it's a super great way to get people to interact with each other and let people play a game that is super social and super like you're not spread out over a battlefield you're sitting around a campfire um yeah and i think that that by itself is a suit is an interesting way to use the kind of intimate nature of mm. the vr headset you're right next to people even though you're not right next to them so i think that it's got a lot of potential and mm -hmm. that is one experience that i really didn't i, I honestly never thought about Mm. you know, social board games being accessible within a virtual reality space. So as a start, yeah. um, I I think it's great. And I hope that it is super successful so that people will do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Uh, because I want other games. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I, and I'm sure that's inevitable. Board games are huge. So I am certain that they will find ways to just port regular board games in there. Yeah. Yeah. It did look pretty simple, but it also looked really cool. Like your avatar looks completely different than you like a cartoon and yet you can gesture and whisper and turn your head different ways and, and it just looked really fun as a start yeah yeah I thought it was pretty cool it says it's going to track basically your your body language to try to right. uh, help determine how the game goes which is pretty cool yeah yeah it should be cool I'm interested in taking a peek at that one of the things that's really interesting is there hasn't really been a lot of explanation, and so we're kind of left to our own devices, is that all of the three major VR companies have specifically said that it's not for, that it's for age 13 plus, which is generally considered, you know, like not kids. Right. So it's like teenagers, etc. And, you know, so there's been some rumblings as far as why that might be and I, I I'll be honest I was I had my own thoughts and feelings obviously because I have thoughts and feelings about everything um I guess that's my job but mm -hmm. I was wondering what to put it forth to you what what you think's up with that and were you in a position to subvert that rule like would you let a younger kid use virtual reality because mm -hmm. obviously 
you know, magic cards are for 13 and up, but, you know, we give them right. to kids. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. I don't know, I think part of it actually might have to do with the size of someone's head, mm-hmm. like, honestly. Maybe. Like, don't you, I, I mean, I don't expect Anna to be able to wear a VR headset. I would expect it to, like, fall down to her neck, like a necklace. So that might be, <laughs> that might be part of the consideration. But, but yeah, I don't know. I think that they're probably putting that age thing out there to sort of just cover the bases, just to be saying like, oh, this, you know, you shouldn't do it with, like, you know, like you said, you give magic cards to kids. Uh, you know, I let Anna play Plants vs. Zombies, even though like she technically shouldn't do it or whatever. Like we all do that. But I think that's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where they have to come out and like set a ground rule where they can just pull their hands back and be like if you did this with a younger person we're not responsible for what might happen so yeah i know i did the um i don't know if you guys did it but when the game of thrones vr experience came to seattle we went to do that my husband and my daughter and we were waiting in line and like every five steps there would be a sign like children cannot do this (laughs) at all and i (laughs) but then like the closer you get the signs are like you may be dizzy you may experience vertigo so by the time we got to the front i was like i'm gonna fall i don't know what's gonna happen (laughs) the signs had scared me so i assume and it was fine it was nothing it was fine so maybe (laughs) maybe physically and they might feel motion sick and they're trying to prevent yeah. that yeah maybe yeah well I, I feel motion sick too so yeah yeah <laughs> i noticed um with the 3ds there were warnings mm-hmm. about kids eyesight being affected by it and i don't know how yes. scientifically based that was or or real but um but maybe that's part of it i don't know yeah i feel like nintendo was sort of covering the basis too right when they said that yeah especially since obviously you know for 3ds that's gonna you know kids are the main market for that so it was although it was kind of silly for them to say like hey we've got this cool new 3d feature on our new portable that mostly kids play but yeah you shouldn't use the 3d feature but don't turn it because, on yeah exactly <laughs> it was just like what what sense does this make yeah. um, did you see that story i covered last week about the Swedish McDonald's Happy Meal VR headset thing. Oh, I saw that you wrote about it, yeah. but um, what was it exactly? Yeah, it was uh, in Sweden. McDonald's tested out this thing where they gave kids uh, Happy Meal boxes and you could make a VR headset out of it. And parents mm. could put their smartphone in there and then, you know, they could play this game where they basically virtually skied down a ski slope. And huh. I don't know, the picture, somebody said in the comments, the picture made it look like the worst dystopia you've ever seen with these little tiny kids with these McDonald's red, you know, <laughs> VR headsets on. And I thought, oh. you know what? That's kind of true. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that is yeah. hilarious. McDonald's is big brother. That's that's what the deal is. Yeah. And then um. now they're all just <laughs> sucking our kids into VR. So, oops. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Happy Meals have already made my daughter cry on a few occasions. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. McDonald's, uh, they're not on a good uh, a good path there with their technology stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It would be fun. I mean, I, I think we're going to get an Oculus. I don't know for sure yet. Like I've said before, we're, my husband's been talking about stuff a little bit. And I probably honestly would let Anna look at it at some point yeah. because she's going to see us doing it. And it's going to be like, let me do it. Let me do it. Let yeah. me do it. So you have to, you know, she'll, she, yeah, she'll look at it a little bit, but I doubt that it's something that we should, that we would let her use 
very much because like even um like connect like you know she loves to to watch us play games and stuff but she's a little too short for the connect to recognize her and so she can't really play a lot of those games she can do zoo tycoon i think probably because the connect is it's extra tuned for child size people in that game but fantasia doesn't really recognize her at all so so i think it's probably going to be that same type of thing with vr where it's not really designed for children so they they you know they might not have a good time with it yeah so yeah i think that's reasonable in and gadget actually i did some some homework on this and the what it looks like is the only thing they've really come out and said i mean this is from oculus from palmer lucky he he specifically said that this is kind of like for them it's like a starting point they start they picked 13 playstation picked 12 actually mm. they picked 13 because it's it's the Facebook age requirement, uh. which leads me to believe that they at least started with kind of like an arbitrary thing. And they're, they want to see what happens with immersion and, you know, kind of the social effects and some of the emotional effects of being immersed in a world before they let someone strap a seven-year-old into like some nightmare yeah. horror game. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it'll happen. I, I think it's interesting. Yeah. Somebody will do it. Yeah. Yeah. Of course they will. But. I mean, that doesn't mean it's okay. No, it's right? not. It's not okay. <laughs> yeah, that's just like somebody is definitely going to take their kids to that sausage party movie because it's an animated film. Yeah, and they'll, yeah. they'll get a rude awakening there. Uh, well, I know multiple people that took their kids to Deadpool because it was a superhero movie. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. I tried, guys. I tried. I did my absolute best. <laughs> yeah. At one point, when the Lord of the Rings movies first came out, with Fellowship of the Ring, somebody who's an acquaintance of I don't know, I don't remember who I got the the information from, but somebody said that their friend had taken their taken their kids that were like. I don't know, seven or eight to see Fellowship of the Ring and then was amazed and appalled that it scared them. And Mm. I was like, well, the thing is rated PG-13, like, honestly, like, and even that, like, that's a really strong PG-13. You know, I think they really push the boundaries with those movies. (laughs) But it's just like, you know, I think we face this all the time in games that people just don't look at the ratings or even have a general understanding of what the content is. Right. So, yeah, which which actually brings up another thing. I wonder, is the ESRB going to jump in the rating of the virtual reality stuff? Oh, geez, they'd have think? to. I can't, they, I can't imagine they won't. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah, do you think, Kelly? Yeah, I agree. I, I bet they probably already have looked at, at it. Yeah. They're kind of getting, I don't know, over overstretched a bit because they yeah. just recently said that they're going to start doing mobile games. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. As if they can, you know, put labels on 20 bazillion mobile games. Yeah, but the the mobile one is I did some research on that because I yeah. was concerned too. The mobile one is largely automated. Like I'm oh. a mobile developer. I create a I go in and fill out a spreadsheet mm-hmm. um and a questionnaire and submit it to them. They have an automatic like a robot basically that spider searches it for keywords, etc. Mm. Um and then assigns an age rating based on the answers to those questions. Mm. And what they do is they look for people to self-report because on the iStore, on the Apple iTunes iStore, if you encounter content that's misrated, you can flag it. Right. And they're actually reviewing the flags. And if they find that someone misrepresented it, for example, they put up a God of War game and and they said that it was like Mario Brothers, then there would be punitive action taken up to and including removing that person's ability to publish to the the, uh, iOS App Store. Mm. So 
for them it's really you can you're rating your own game but you're if it's at all successful you're gonna get screened by everyone that uses it and you're bound to get reported if you're lying yeah so that part is probably like five five people <laughs> because right, they yeah. probably only touch the reports right and even then it's probably pretty fast yeah sounds like a good system basically better than no rating at all yes I've, absolutely I've never, I've never run into a mobile game that I thought was misrated. Yeah. So I, it must work. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't think I, I have either. Saying. Yeah, no, I don't think I have either. But it's just, you know, I don't know. It's kind of weird to, to know that the ESRB is doing something like automated. Like, I, it's always sort of been a kind of like a developer honor system, um, even for console package games, where they would submit like this questionnaire saying like what kind of content was in the game and how much. And then... <laughs> The, they would submit videos, uh, gameplay footage of the type of content that they said was in the game. And so it was kind of an honor system at that point, but at least you had like an, a person actually really looking at the stuff to make sure it lined up with what the developer said. And like you guys said, I've never seen one that has been misrated, but I think the likelihood for it to happen is more if there's not a person actually reviewing everything. Yeah. Um, but that's just... Yeah. But then you just report it. I mean, yeah, in the I store, then you just report it. And then it gets fixed afterwards. This is mm -hmm. more of the games go live before the rating is quote-unquote final. Right. Uh, I can't imagine that that will be a thing for the yeah. VR game. So the one thing is a lot of these games are going to be sold in brick or uh, at least some of them are going to be sold in brick-and-mortar stores alongside the like the PSVR and the right. Vive, et cetera. And most brick-and-mortar stores, Walmart, Best Buy, Target, et cetera, self-regulate and will not sell games that are not rated through the ESRB. Right. Um, and I don't think they want to break that because that's kind of their unspoken you know, relationship with their customers that they make sure everything's rated. There's nothing crazy in there. So mm -hmm. I would imagine that they would put some pressure on the ESRB and these organizations to the, and the developers to get the games rated too. Well, yeah. for the time being, it should be a pretty easy task because there are so few VR games, it seems like. Right. Um, at some point, it Sony might be a said they're gonna. Yeah, Sony said they're going to launch with 50 titles. Wow. Which yeah. seems a little high to me. I mean, they could, like, some of them will probably just be just throwaway stuff that's like a quirky, uh, gimmicky, you right. know, little mini game type thing. They showed some of those at, at PlayStation Experience last year where they showed a lot of the PlayStation VR game stuff. Yeah, that makes so, sense. The IGDA, this is this is fun. I mean, it's not funny. Um, it's a serious issue, but they, they say this every year. This is the IGDA will take aim at crunch time and unpaid overtime <laughs> in 2016. And that's just, it's, it makes me laugh. Not because it's funny, because I have to deal with that personally, because my husband works at a game developer and does crunch time. But it's, I don't think that there's anything that can honestly be done about it. Like the IGDA says that they're going to do, do all this stuff. Like they come out in their meetings and they, they say, this is bad, this is wrong. And here's a report on quality of life for game developers and their families. But the, the, no one has any real solutions as to how you make that work with the way game development currently works, you know, with the tight schedules and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's, I find that amusing. It's hard to imagine delaying a huge game like Halo or Call of Duty mm -hmm. uh, much beyond the point where they say they're going to put it out, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's there's just so much money at stake. I don't know how they can do that. 
you can see why it happens, but it's not good for the families, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, no. I think Nintendo is probably the only company that really has the uh, the liberty to push things out as much as they want, hence Zelda. Yeah. Supposedly for Wii U. <laughs> yeah. Let's say that's a naughty dog. How many times uh, right, have Uncharted exactly. gotten delayed? Uh, um. Not as many as like a Zelda game. Yeah. <laughs> Not anywhere near as much. But no, Uncharted, I mean, it's been delayed like a month here and a month there. It wasn't delayed like a whole console generation. So that's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, but Naughty Dog is, you know, they're one of those big developers. They're in the place where they can do that because, you know, people are still going to buy their game. It's lots of the smaller developers that don't have the choice, really. Especially independents who are working with a publisher. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's they just can't say anything in the matter there, which... Is not cool, but that's the way it works. Mm -hmm. I don't have any suggestions as to how it works either. I can criticize it all I want, but I have no idea how to fix it. So another thing that got announced this week is that Microsoft is going to be supporting cross-platform play, definitely between Xbox One and Windows PCs. But they said in their announcement that we would be open to other networks, quote-unquote. And obviously, other networks would mean something like PlayStation Network. Yeah. So, so I mean, which it sounds really cool, but I'm skeptical. I think you guys are probably skeptical, too. So let's hear what you think. Well, I, I just want to say, defer. I think it'd be really cool if it happened. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. Destiny players could be, play across platforms and meet up anywhere. And it's probably going to go that direction and be that way someday. I just don't know if we're there yet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'll jump in. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you know what? So this is a, you know, one of the things that's interesting, right? He, this, this guy makes this announcement that is a big deal, especially for Microsoft, considering they're trying to unify the Xbox and the PC platforms, kind of bring them together mm -hmm. really as a way to kind of emphasize windows 10. I mean, it is Microsoft. That's kind of their thing. Mm -hmm. So, and they threw this, like, so that was the big thrust of the announcement, right? Was to kind of, especially like emphasize the, the, the PC to Xbox one. Uh, mm -hmm. interface but the that that like little offhand like yeah and we'd be open to working with other networks obviously referencing nintendo and and playstation mm -hmm. and maybe even mobile i mean we don't leave that out i mean that could very well be a thing who knows the but then immediately the games journalism zeitgeist was <laughs> it's finally happening they're finally giving us what we want we're gonna have cross-platform play and that was all the titles and that was the subject of every social media share and I read the article again to be like, wait a minute. Like, I read the, the interview. Like, this is like, or not the interview, the announcement. And I was like, yeah. that's not what he said. He said they were open to it. And so, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it, but when I shared this into like my the, the engaged family gaming community site, I was like, no, guys, let's be, let's slow down our role here. This has not even been kind of confirmed. And beyond that, I don't think Sony is in any rush because yeah. they're outselling Xbox One two to one anyway. Mm -hmm. So why would they need to let this like these upstarts into their network? Some fine details that were brought up. One person was concerned about the idea of playing Call of Duty with on an Xbox with a controller versus PC gamers with mm -hmm. a mouse and keyboard the they have already said that Xbox gamers would have the the ability to segregate and play with only Xbox players if they so choose so mm -hmm. they'll have kind of the it'll be a series of like dams gates and switches Really? Mm -hmm. Which I think is super cool that they'll have the ability to do that. But I can't imagine, but it's also driven by developer. Like, it's not like it's just going to be implemented for everyone. Right. So it could very well be that game developers 
they know that, like, the, the 343 Studios knows that Halo would be a vastly different, different experience if there were Spartans running around controlled by mouses and keyboards as opposed to controllers. And putting yes. them in a level playing field would be really dumb. Um, <laughs> right. And so, I mean, that's an issue that they run into with Call of Duty on PC because mm-hmm. you can use an Xbox 360 controller on a PC. So I think from a competitive standpoint, they'll figure it out. But I would love it if, you know, I could play Smite on my Xbox One and finally, like, play with all my buddies mm. that are playing on the PlayStation 4. And, and But there's so many technical hurdles, and the big one is the business hurdles, man. Like, Sony, I, I can't imagine they would want to. I would bet huge money that Nintendo will get in on that if they could um, mm. because... There's a business relevance there. There's like there's money to be made. Saying yeah. hey, we're hooked up, but Sony, I don't know. I don't know. I'm skeptical, yeah. but hopeful. I'm optimistic. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be right. fun. Kelly, did you yeah, have any thoughts on that one? I don't. I actually hadn't thought of Nintendo. Now that you guys bring it up, I'm not sure what games they share. Minecraft is the only one that comes to mind immediately, but well, right I know they share yeah. none. Except Minecraft. Yeah. This is kind of thinking forward towards the NX, where there have been some quote-unquote credible reports that, for example, the next Destiny game will be on the NX. And, I mean, if the NX is what they say, what the rumors say it's going to be, and that it can support graphics that are equivalent to or better than the current-gen consoles current gen referring to xbox one and ps4 then as long as it's not a giant pain in the butt to develop for i i could imagine that a lot of the big multi-platform games like destiny call of duty etc would at least get digital ports over to the nx i mean i i know it costs a lot of money to put things in boxes and print out discs but the advent of digital releases means maybe we don't get a disc release of destiny on the NX, maybe they're trying to, you know, kind of play it safe. But if it's easy to port, why not just make it digital? But you're right. I mean, we're not going to be playing Splatoon with Xbox guys, right? <laughs> um, but this is that would really be more of a play. I mean, I can't imagine that they're Nintendo guys like those those goofy dudes in the treehouse have got to be talking to the guys about Rocket League. Yes, I mean, Rocket yeah. League is a perfect fit. Could you imagine Rocket League with Mario Kart cars? Yeah, can you? <laughs> yeah. Can you like I'm excited? Can you imagine it with a Koopa shell rocket belt, ro- like Rocket League ball? <laughs> they're they they can't not be talking to them about it. Um, yeah. So and cross platform would be cool there. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, Rocket League. That that game I is. Got excited. just the whole story behind that game is just it's insane to me it's really one of those like cinderella stories like this little tiny indie developer with a small team makes this game and it just becomes huge it it was like that was thanks to um i think they they put the game up for free for like a month on psn so that it got like some exposure that way and then it just took off Mm. thanks to word of mouth yeah it's amazing it's it's nice to know those things can still happen (laughs) <laughs> in yeah. the industry when we think it's all you know owned by the big publishers so okay so polygon has another interesting story from gdc about gender disparity in esports yeah um which i'm sure we're all aware of it's kind of almost not even just gender disparity it's like age disparity too like i'm watching the hearthstone tournament the person who won the hearthstone america's winter season was a 15 year old boy uh. and i'm like I'm like, okay, cool. The 15-year-old boy won all this money. That's awesome. That's great. And I'm like, I will never see a 35-year-old person win anything <laughs> in the Hearthstone tournaments. So, um, but yeah, so so we all know there's some. Give it time. Give it time, right. 
I know we should talk to Steve Lubitz. We should like set up our own like amateur league or something, and you know, a make, senior make league. The, <laughs> make the minimum age like 35 and that you have to have at least one child yeah um so <laughs> so but yeah so obviously there aren't very many women in esl stuff like at all i think it was like the just recently there was the first like female league of legends player was announced i think she like stopped playing like shortly after she helped her team because she got like just i don't know massacred by you know, stupid gamer people who we all know how they can be when they get on the internet and talk. Oh man, um, yeah. How do women put up with that? No wonder she yeah. quit. Yeah, all the I know, nasty exactly. stuff they say and ugh, yeah, price. Yeah. So there's a panel that went on at GDC where they actually brought into the conversation some of the uh, Title IX legislation that has helped uh, women get into sports and in real life and not uh, esports. So it's interesting to me that that people are starting to look at esports the same way as they would like traditional sports. And I mean, they totally should, but yeah. it's nice to see that that's actually happening now as opposed to it just being this this other thing that nobody understands so as the ncaa gets involved which that we already see that they are starting there are a couple of colleges that have scholarship programs for right. um you know for league players so it is inevitable that the ncaa will get into it and title nine is significantly kind of baked into their entire culture right um so i would not be surprised if as that develops the you know, the Title IX, I mean, it's only a matter of time before we will see, like, a women's league team for mm -hmm. Illinois State, you know. Right. And I'd be excited to see that. I mean, I, I, I think it'd be I, I think it'd be super cool, if for nothing else, because it would foster a community and people, you know, women would have a chance to build skill at that high competitive level, which then could help lead to being in the pros. I think part of the, the problem is that so many of the esports players are not from the United States and not mm. from super inclusive cultures. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but like if you're coming from like mainland China, you know, sp video games are kind of a dude thing. Yeah. Because because girls aren't even really much of a thing there <laughs> too much, you know? So, I mean, I'm not trying I'm I'm obviously mm -hmm. I'm I I'm checking my privilege here being that I am the dude on the mom podcast. However, like <laughs> It, if you're coming from China and South Korea, like that's certainly relevant and culturally relevant. I would think mm -hmm. that we'd see more of it on the North American teams, but I think it's just going to take time. I yeah. think I think it's really bad in North America too. Uh, women have to put up with a lot playing, you know, Call of Duty online in America right now. A lot of harassment. Yeah. So uh, it should go without saying that I'm not discounting that. I just want to yeah. throw that out there. Yeah. Absolutely, I'm not discounting the difficulty that female gamers have. I've been on Twitter for the last two years, so I am fully aware of exactly what occurs. Um, right. I've fortunately, I, I've, I'm, I've been shielded from it by nature of the fact that I am generally quiet and not <laughs> a female gamer. However, I see it, and it's disgusting. But I think it's the, the idea that that used to be that way for female basketball players. Mm. Um you know, so it used to be that way for women's soccer players. Yeah. Um, and I wrestled in high school, and there were two girls on my team, and the things that were said to them were awful. And I had to wrestle a girl once, and it certainly made me uncomfortable, admittedly, because I had to, like, basically beat her up. But, you know, <laughs> she I lost that match, by the way. So, um, <laughs> like, so, you know, th this is not 
certainly new, but the idea is that Title IX was created specifically to address that issue, is that schools were like, nah, girls don't need sports. They can do other things. And Title IX is like, no, really, dude, for real, girls need sports. Yeah. Um, and as sports stop being like a professional thing and kind of trickle down to college, I mean, Heroes of the Dorm is going on right now. Um, mm. I picked my... I picked my brackets uh, on ESPN.com. <laughs> you bet I did. Go UConn. Uh, anyway, um, I'm a homer because I live in Connecticut. But wait, so, wait, Stephen, uh, what is Heroes of the Dorm? Sorry. Oh, you didn't know about Heroes of the Dorm? No, All right, so I don't. How about let's put a pin in that and finish this yeah. discussion and okay. talk about Heroes of the Dorm because okay. I am so excited about that. So the idea is as colleges get involved, which they already are, you know, we've already touched on that, Title IX is absolutely going to get – if it's not automatic, like if schools don't say, all right, well, now we need a girls team yeah. um, or we need automatically 50% of our teams to be – you know, 50% of each team to be girls mm -hmm. um, or something, if equality isn't baked into the program right off the start, it's only a matter of time before a girl sues under Title IX and then we'll win without question. Yeah. Because – if you're getting a sporting, if you're getting a sporting, if you're giving out sporting scholarships to dudes, then you have to give the sporting scholarships to the women. It has to be even. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, that's an interesting, interesting way to think about it. Because I know a lot of us, you know, uh, in the female game community, you know, when you talk about having like a different women's team, like even myself, would be like, why does there need to be a different women's team? Like you're playing a game. Everybody, you know, your physical size or whatnot doesn't matter because you know you're just using your head and your hands and whatnot. So, but that makes you make a really interesting point Stephen that maybe the way to kind of break the ice in there is to have all women's teams because then they won't feel women won't feel as uh, or they, they might not be as subject to as many attacks mm -hmm. like as opposed to the girl on the guys team kind of thing and it might just create a community where they can thrive and then I don't know I'm honestly it would probably stay segregated that way which I don't think is completely cool but I would rather ha see women participating in esports than than not. Yeah, I agree. At the very least, in that situation, there would be parity. Right. right. I mean, we could we could say as it is. If you put if you divide it up fifty fifty and send you know twenty thousand men and twenty thousand women of equal skill to Evo, which yeah. it doesn't happen. But let's even let's just uh, presume that we're, that scenario is possible. If you get a top eight, that's like Justin Wong and and Daigo and like and a woman just a woman just has bad beats and doesn't happen to make it into the top eight, then it yeah. It has the illusion. It has the illusion in that situation. Admittedly, that's a hyper hypothetical situation of not having parity. At least in college, you can be like, "Well, this is parity. There's two. There's a men's team and a women's team, and right. then it's the same as there's a men's basketball team at UConn. There's mm -hmm. a women's basketball team at UConn. There's a men's league team. There's a women's league team. At least they can say this is just how we do sports. Yeah. Um. I, maybe there's unified ones. I don't really know a lot about college athletics outside of basketball, and I really only know college basketball during the month of March and April. <laughs> well, he, well, here we are. Does it mean we're going to hear you talk about this for like the next few weeks? I will only talk about Heroes of the Dorm. Okay, go for it. What's Heroes of the Dorm? Well, we all know Heroes of the Storm, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. so Heroes of the Storm is, for the listeners, Heroes of the Storm is a Blizzard-owned MOBA that is the multiplayer online battle arena. It's a, basically a five-on-five -five, uh, online battle game where you play with Blizzard characters. Super cool, really neat, not for kids because some of the women are sexualized because it's a video game. And yeah. there and is... You know, um, it's, it's Warcraft, so... It's Warcraft. Yeah. It's un I mean, all of the conflict re resolution is at the edge of a sword or at the point of a gun. So right. there's that. But then also, some of the creeps die in 
bloody ways. It, they really could have cleaned it up and made it perfectly fine with mm-hmm. a few design decisions. They decided not to go that way. But I still watch it with my kids, but it's far enough away they can't see the fine details. Mm. Um, so the idea is Heroes of the Dorm is a Blizzard run. ESPN just kind of covers it. Uh, mm. It airs on ESPN2 and ESPNU. On, it's live on the Watch ESPN app. That Go figure, I'm plugging ESPN. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I was just going to say, not, what, what are you now? Bus- <laughs> I've listened to way too many fantasy football podcasts, and <laughs> like literally that's their rigmarole. And if I was listening to the Fantasy Focus podcast, shout out to Matthew Barry TMR, I would say I'm a company man, and then someone afterwards would play the drop from ESPN. The da-na-na, da-na-na. That's like the literally what just happened in my head while I was doing that. <laughs> um, so the idea is they did a, it's a 64-team tournament, not unlike the NCAA tournament. Uh, mm. For basketball, so 64 colleges have 64 heroes of the uh, heroes of the storm teams, and they're playing in a uh, a single elimination tournament every Saturday and Sunday between now and April 9th, which is when they will have the heroic four. Oh, See what wow. they did there. Um, <laughs> and the 10th is the grand finals, which is going to be a aired on ESPN two. Mm-hmm. on uh, 8 o'clock Eastern time, and they're going to do a wrap-up show, I think, on the 13th, where they're going to do, like, highlights, and it's going to be a pretty big deal. It's it's a, it's an interesting game to watch, just because it's flashy, the characters are really big and colorful. Unlike League and Dota, which are hard to really watch, they're very arcane, and the characters are super small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he- Heroes of the Storm characters are basically twice the size. So, you know, you can see, the and they're way more diverse. Well, I don't want to say diverse. They're, they're bright colors. Mm-hmm. I think they're more diverse, just because there's fewer of them. Some of the... Dota characters bleed together to me. Mitch Dyer will kill me for saying that because he's a big <laughs> Dota fan. But like, the 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 like, they all look the same to me. They're like just different flavor of like black mage and white mage from Final Fantasy. Right but here, we're talking about like the great heroes of Warcraft and Diablo and Starcraft and the Lost Vikings from the Super Nintendo era in there, and it's just all crazy nonsense. And it's uh, the, the games all have big bombastic you know requirements in each level, and so it's super it's super interesting to watch and these apparently UConn is a favorite to win so I picked them going all the way um <laughs> cool and um it's it's super interesting so I will be I will I promise I will not talk about the NCAA tournament okay um, because I don't want to because this is definitely not an NCAA basketball pl- uh, podcast no um, not by any stretch <laughs> yeah I'm not I, I'm not crazy don't worry um <laughs> however um the Heroes of the Dorm might come up because I'm kind of excited. I think it's a neat idea. They did it last year on uh, yeah. very well ratings wise, um, and they're playing for college too. I mean, they're playing for scholarships and you know it's five hundred thousand dollar prize, yeah. which for a five man team pretty okay. I mean, it pays for what like a half like a semester of college. <laughs> yeah, depends on where you go. Is it yeah? A, no, Stephen, is it only on ESPN or is it on Twitch and? everything else or it's it's this is espn to my understanding has the exclusive okay rights. makes sense um yeah so the only way to really watch it on the espn app would be to, if you have a cable package and then you would kind of go go to the watch espn website and take a look at it and you enter in your username and password from your cable company or whatever and look at it but the it's a it's all done in there in the games in-game spectator mode which mm. is really robust for heroes of the storm so it's it's really nice i cool. mean it's you can watch it the ui is really good so you can follow what's going going on shoutcasters for heroes of the storm are actually pretty good they're not quite as crazy as watching the international yeah <laughs> right that was yeah. nuts i had no idea what was going on it was cool i was excited <laughs> <laughs> but I had no idea what they were doing. 
<laughs> I, I went to it. I was in the audience and yeah. You were at the international. I was, yeah. And oh, well, it was in Seattle. Yeah, my, was in Seattle. my yes. husband Eric was sitting next to me and he has never seen anything like this in his life. But when I said, should we go now? You know, are you tired of this? And he's like, no. He, he was just excited because it's just an exciting place to be. You know, everyone in the crowd's excited. And, yeah. yeah. Do you play Dota? No. I don't. So why did you go? Can I ask why you went to the I just wanted to soak it up. It was fun. It was great. All right. Yeah. I'm not yeah. questioning you. By all means, you do you. I just, I've never heard of a, like I've heard of, I've encouraged people who don't play Dota to watch it because it's interesting to watch yeah. and see in the experience. But I never thought about going there. Although I would have to fly across the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you just like, it's a bus ride. It was a, it was a great, great <laughs> spectacle. Yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hearthstone has some has their stuff on now too. Like I said, the America's winter season just just ended, and they're going like all year round. And but you know, another Blizzard game. You know, I think that those guys know what they're doing yeah. as far as esports <laughs> is going, and yeah. know how to how to make it work. Well, Hearthstone has. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I want to hear about Hearthstone. I want to hear about your, the. I want to hear what your thoughts about the old gods. Because I killed them in a raid once. I want to know how they're going to work in card form. (laughs) Right. Well, you know what? I I hate to admit to you that I never, ever played Warcraft or World of Warcraft. So all of these cards in Hearthstone, absolutely, they don't mean anything to me besides what they are in Hearthstone. So, yes. And I got made fun of for that. Like, at first I started playing. My husband's like, I was like, hey, yeah, you know, this kind of looks like. He's like, well, yeah. These are all th- characters from Warcraft. Like, <laughs> yeah. didn't you know that? I'm like, uh, uh, no, sorry, okay. Um, Kelly, did you ever play WoW? I played WoW. Uh-huh. I have. It's been a long time though. I can't even remember what level I got to, but I did play a lot. Did you Did you make it to an expansion? Yes, I want to say. Gosh, was that the last one? Uh, I remember Lich King. I think we did a little Pandaria, and that would be about it. Yeah, a little Pandaria sweet, sweet. is enough, probably. <laughs> <laughs> make a panda you're pretty good yeah exactly that's kind there of what is a i panda, do there is a panda in hearthstone of He's, course I yeah i could take or leave his card honestly he doesn't have yeah. any attack but his his special thing is whenever you cast a spell your opponent gets a copy of it and vice versa so um it, it works out pretty cool uh sometimes it's it's really cool like if i'm playing a warrior against a mage otherwise you know it's if that's reversed then it's not so cool because it really limits the amount of spells that you want to cast if you know that your opponent is going to get that same thing so yeah 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 so anyway so whispers of the old gods i'm excited for every hearthstone expansion because it's more cards this one's gonna have 134 new cards uh four of which are new legendaries and uh it's, you know, which are the old gods right yes like cthune the yeah cthune yeah that's um they've been revealing they just revealed cthune but they were they're going to be talking about a different legendary and kind of the supporting cards that go with it you know leading up to the release which they say is going to be late april or early may um so yeah so that they've been these these cards really have there's lots of cards that work with the legendaries this time. I haven't seen that so much 
in the past, which people can yell at me if I don't know what I'm talking about. But honestly, I don't have a lot of legendary cards. They take a lot of time to craft. But I haven't seen this sort of like really, really direct effects from y your normal minions onto the legendaries like they have going on in here, which is pretty cool. So yeah, it should be cool. I just started saving up my gold so that I can buy a bunch of card packs because I'm not going to drop 50 bucks for the 50 packs. And uh, for the last expansion, I was able to save up about 2300 gold which gives me 23 oh, packs wow. so it wasn't wasn't too bad i no it's not bad at all i've got like 400 or 500 now if i keep saving for the rest of the month it'll be good it was funny steve lewis poor steve poor steve i need to have him come in here and defend himself at one point but uh, he posted this screenshot on twitter of something that was going on i'm like hey that's cool and then like i noticed his his coin count and i'm like why are you saving up all that gold and he's like there's an expansion coming. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but the big thing about this expansion is the new, the new play mode, the standard mode that's going to be coming into it. So I'm really interesting to see uh, how that plays out. So boss, I was, I, there was one thing I was hoping to bring to the table for the consideration of the panel. And that was an announcement from uh, Square Enix, specifically the Tokyo RPG Factory. I don't know if anyone else in the channel is a massive JRPG nerd like me. I might be the nope. only one. No. All right, good. Hey, I'm not. Great. So <laughs> um, they announced the first, so Tokyo, J Tokyo RPG Company is kind of a, it's a smaller developer. It's kind of under the Square Enix umbrella. I'm not sure the legal relationship, but Square Enix PR sent me a press release about them, so they must be related somehow. So it was threaded in between Just Cause 3 DLC. Um, I almost missed it, but oh, they, said yeah. something about, they said something about Chrono Trigger, and I got way excited. So um, <laughs> the idea is Tokyo RPG Factory, well, they announced it around the, the relationship around last E3. Uh, and one of the things that they said is that they were going to be working on specifically like old school JR style JRPGs, you know, Suikoden, Final Fantasy, yeah. Breath of Fire, you know, Chrono Trigger, etc. And the, and immediately I was like, okay, uh, bookmark this. This is going to be a big deal because these, especially if they're not made like in the crazy bombastic Final Fantasy 15, it takes 47 years to release it kind of style. <laughs> they could do a lot of them and I need more games like that in my life. Um, and <laughs> out came, uh, it's true, I need more of them. Um, <laughs> out came I Am Setsuna is the name of the game. And what it is, it is, it's the first game from Tokyo RPG Factory. So it's the first one coming out. It is released in Japan now. Expected to be localized to the West on the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation Vita uh, later on this year. I do not own a PlayStation 4. I suspect I will be getting one, not necessarily for this. I have to play Street Fighter V, but I recommend anyone that is interested in JRPGs in general, especially if you liked Chrono Trigger, because it actually uses Chrono Trigger's battle system. Like, literally, that, that's it. They, they mm -hmm. just took the rules from Chrono Trigger's combat system and jammed them into this more, slightly more modern-looking game. It is... They showed a few screenshots that are stunningly gorgeous uh, for what they are, and I'm super excited, and I... I did anybody else like Chrono Trigger? Nope, sorry. <laughs> I know my son Chris really loved that. It's that turn-based RPG thing, right? Uh, yeah. 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 
So, all right. So the fact that you don't like Chrono Trigger is going to have to be a topic for another show. Um, <laughs> That's okay, Stephen. I think we're going to have lots of those. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling we should have a. We should wait and then like save them up and have a like you and me arguing about things that we don't like. Um, I'll find some. I, I think people might appreciate it. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm super excited. It's meant to be. You know, it, it, the idea is it's meant to be inspired by the golden era of Japanese role playing games. Obviously, mm -hmm. that's some crazy PR speak because it is a press release announcing a game, but there was a golden era, and it has gone. I mean, I'm excited for Final Fantasy 15, but, I mean, let's be real, it's not a true Final Fantasy game. Right. Mm. It's just not. It's not what, what true Final Fantasy fans will remember. That kind of ended a while ago. Mm -hmm. um, so, kind of getting back to that, especially if a Square Enix logo is in the front of it, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm excited. And I want to share that those kind of experiences with my kids, because that's what I grew up on. You right. know, Final Fantasy 6, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy 4, those were, like, those were the games that I would you know, wait for and read every little detail about. Uh, Final Fantasy X is one of my favorite games of all time. So the, you know, ex having that experience with my kids, I can't wait for. Um, it's, yeah. like give, it's like giving your kid your favorite book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And I also, you know, I, I'm not crazy about the JRPG, but the turn-based, um, you know, combat system is, would be easier, I think, for lots of kids to do mm -hmm. as opposed to having to have, like, the quick reflexes and yeah. stuff. That's why we're easier. super excited for the uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake. We've showed oh, our daughter yeah, already, yeah. and had and uh, she got it right away. The turn based combat and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure Anna would get it too. I've never actually posed that to her because I'm not the JRPG person. My husband is so, uh, so yeah. If he's he's probably going to end up listening to this, and then in the next week, uh, Anna will be playing Final Fantasy. <laughs> so um. <laughs> um, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, thanks, Stephen. Thanks so much. I don't mind. I don't mind. She, I mean, I would like her to be exposed to all types of games. So yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So let's let's move into uh, what we're playing. So Kelly, you want to get us started? Oh sure. I have been playing way too much Battlefront. Star Wars Battlefront. Oh. <laughs> nice. Um, I picked the Xbox, which means um sometimes I don't get a match right away. I think everybody's uh. on the PS4, but that's okay. But yeah, I've been playing way too much with Battlefront. They just released another update with some new maps, so I've been having fun exploring those. Yeah. Um, are, as... are you looking forward to the Outer Rim? I DLC? am, yeah. Uh, I didn't understand, I don't understand the season pass concept, but I will buy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will buy yeah. the DLC here and there when it, uh, when it interests me. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. They also, they announced that as a, uh, going back to the VR discussion. I think they announced a Battlefront VR game. Yes. That had yes, me interested they did. in. And then Lucasfilm announced a separate VR game, which was kind of confusing, but I think I got that <laughs> figured out. Yeah, the whole the, the Star Wars licensed gaming is just it's it's a mess. Yeah. yeah. It seems like everybody has a license to Star Wars in some way, shape or form. So, um, but we talked about that with Lego Star Wars when we talked about yeah. it a little while. Well, I work I used to work on a Star Wars game, so I Yes. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> it used to be, was it a community manager for yes. Star Wars Galaxies? For Galaxies, yeah. yeah. And we worked with LucasArts at the time, but they're not around anymore. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is super cool. <laughs> so that explains, that. that uh, all right, that's super cool. I like that. So were you around <laughs> when Star Wars Galaxy, were you around like at the big shift? Uh, like the change, quote unquote? I was not. I came in maybe a year or two after, but it was still the conversation every single day. 
Hmm. Yeah. That's how much of an impact it had. So from the players yeah. and then it would, you know, trickle down to the staff and we would still talk about it. So yeah. I have... <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, I have a soft spot for Star Wars games, obviously. So I play way too much Battlefront. And then as a family, we're playing Twilight Princess all together. Ah, nice. So every night when my husband gets home, we have dinner and then we all head downstairs and we settle in for uh, some Twilight Princess. So that's not too scary for your daughter? It's not. I thought it might be creepy, yeah. but she seems fine. I mean... Oh, good. Yeah. 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 At first, um, there's some things in there that are creepy, just the the character design, some of the monster design. Yeah, yeah. But um, at this point now, she shrugs. There's one in there. She looked at it, and she goes, nope. And she turned around and walked out <laughs> of the room. <laughs> I was like, where are you going? She's like, I can't, I can't look at that for a minute. I said, okay. But now she's fine, and she, yeah, she can see it and good. laugh at it. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's like, that's a good way of self-monitoring. You know, that's there's not many kids that are that aware. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's I really think good. That's Christ. a testament to the fact that she's probably been exposed to some things just by nature of the fact that video games are just sometimes surprisingly kooky. You know? Yes. Um, yeah. So for a, for someone at seven to be self-aware enough to be like, no deuces, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. You guys. I think that's, I'm going that's actually a real compliment. I'm, I'm super impressed by that. My boys, um, yeah. they will, I mean, by nature, the fact that they're boys and they're like together, you know, my little guy gets a little, he gets a little creeped out by some stuff, but because uh -huh. he's there with older bro, uh, yeah. he'll force himself through it. Yeah. And I, I can kind of notice it, but what do you yeah. do? I mean, you can't. Yeah. Notice, right. But. Yeah. But it wasn't too scary. It was just creepy. I can't I can't pronounce what it's called, but it's the it's got the body of a chicken and the face of a person. Yeah. And so it's just oh, creepy. Yeah. It's oh, you spell it O O C C O O, so I don't even know how to say it. So when she saw it and it's in glorious H D now, thanks to Nintendo, she was just like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle that right this second. But now yeah. she's fine. Yeah. We call it the Uku. Yeah, I bet that's right. I think calling it the Uku the Uku kind of robs it of its creepiness. Yeah. You know, it's just so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But other than yeah. that, it's been, it's been a good experience. Yeah. My daughter's pretty good about the, the well, not so much self-monitoring. It's like monitoring me. When I was playing Rise of the Tomb Raider, before she would, like, we play in our basement, which is where our rec room is, and before she would come down the stairs to, like, I don't know, say goodnight to me or whatever, she would stand at the top of the stairs and be like, Mommy, pause the game. Yeah. Mommy, pause the game. And I'm like, okay, it was just the music, like the music, literally from the title screen, freaked her out. And so she would not come down the stairs until I paused the game. Yeah. So that's some I'm spooky she could... music, too. It is. It yeah. is. I just, uh, it's just all these things that I'm figuring, that I'm finding out, like, I'm forced to look at again, like yeah. through kids' eyes because I've so not had to do that for so many years. But I am hoping that she she gets over her fears soon, especially the fear of bears. I just <laughs> there's so much so much stuff with bears in it, and it's just I don't know, it's annoying. Whatever. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you've been playing, Kelly? Um, I have another question for you, Kelly. Sure. <laughs> so when you when you as a as a family are playing, is she shoulder surfing? Is she are you guys passing the controller around? Is there one dominant player and everybody else is just kind of you know telling you what to do? I mean, when we'd play, I'm the primary controller, and occasionally I'll give it to my oldest son, but everybody else is just telling me what to do. Good question. Um, what What do you guys do? Well, so for Zelda, she played at the beginning during the tutorial parts, which was really good for her because it taught her how to play. But then as the um as we got to the first temple 
it just got a little too rough. And so my husband mostly took over, but we'll help coach or, you know, we saw the key treasure chest over there, things like that. And then when we get to a spot where we finish a temple and Link has some time to walk around, that's when she takes it again and she just explores and takes, do it, you know, mm. do it at her own pace kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love yeah. It. Love it. yeah. That's Super how we play cool. it. <laughs> yeah. Good. Using kids to spot little things and games is really awesome. When I played Lara Croft Go, Anna would sit next to me on the tablet and she would she would see the little collectible pot things that I just didn't see like at all. And she'd be like, look, there's a pot over there. And I'm like, wait, what? Where? And then she would point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, because you could just see like just a sliver of it. And so it was very helpful to have her sitting next to me playing, which is like, it's it's too bad that Tomb Raider is rated M Aww. because I would love to have her sit next to me and help me find all those freaking collectibles <laughs> yeah. that there are in those games. We also oh, have her, yeah. um, she'll read the dialogues out loud. I should say that's the other thing she does is we make her get her oh, reading nice. practice in. And have her hey. read right. <laughs> that works. There's, yeah. there's a lot of text in that. That, that, yeah. makes, that makes total sense. But it wears yeah. off. It makes absolute total sense. <laughs> For her. Saves your voice too. You know, we had my, my we had the, our toddler kind of, we have a three-year-old that, doesn't play a lot. She shoulder surfs, and obviously there's no voice acting. So my wife and I, like, she was Midna, and I was, <laughs> you know, like I, I was the general, like the the rest of the stuff. Obviously, Link doesn't talk, but I was all the the, the various villagers and whatever. My wife does a really good creepy Midna voice, <laughs> um, kind of scary actually. But you know, it got tiring, man. I, yeah, I, it's a, I, yeah, I, she gets tired of it after. So yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I ran into that problem with uh, Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival. Cause I'm like, hey, this is a cute little board game with like no skill or whatever. Like, Anne will be able to play it. It's it's fine. And then that you have to. There's all these little scenarios that happen for each turn. Like whether they did some, something good happened to the character or something bad. And it's like a little paragraph for each one. And I was reading these things like for the entire duration of the <laughs> game, which is like half hour, 45 minutes, just reading a bunch of Animal Crossing yeah. stuff. And by the by the end of the game, I would just skim it and be like, okay, something bad happened. And then like, <laughs> oh, okay, something something good happened. You know, it was just, I just, I just couldn't read them anymore. And I love Animal Crossing, but yeah. yeah. Anyhow. So Linda, how about you? Um, I downloaded the DLC for Assassin's Creed Syndicate um, and I haven't gotten That's, to it yet, but I want to do the Jack the, the Ripper and all the that. The Jack the yeah. Ripper one, yeah. Yeah, there's a steampunk pack, too, that sounds kind of cool, and a couple of missions. And then I've been playing Disney Fantasia, Music Evolved as sort of a little workout thing, and I downloaded a Justin Bieber song, and <laughs> I just put it on, I put it on, um, you know, shuffle, and then right. I just do yeah. song after song after song, and it, it's good. It's a good little workout. It or is. a warm-up kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I use it as a workout all the time. Yeah. It's fun. It's, I still love it. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Steven, how about you? So I'm trying to think. My life has been dominated by my phone over the last few days because I am so hooked into Clash Royale. <laughs> my husband's um, like that. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't stop to the point where – so. Clash Royale, it is um, – I like to call it baby's first strategy game. Um, <laughs> it's made by the same team at Supercell that made Clash of Clans, that mm-hmm. uh, free-play oh. mobile strategy game um, that's definitely not free, that had like a Super Bowl commercial and is everywhere. And has so, the really the really deceptive ads with the, the beautiful actresses in it. Yeah. Nope, that's war. That's a different game. Oh, that's right. Game. I'm sorry. They all that's blend together game. for me. 
They same totally type of game. all do because they're largely the same game. I mean, yeah. they, there's no denying it. They're, they're they're the exact same game. They they have a new game. It's called Clash Royale. And what it is, it is a two lane uh, MOBA type game where you mm-hmm. have your base and you have two towers oh. and you have these cards that pop into your hand basically and each of those cards is a unit that you can spend uh, mana to lay them out on the battlefield and they will march down the various lanes and the eventually destroy your enemy's tower and then their base and if you blow up their base then you win matches are three minutes so it's super fast to just pick up a game I uh-huh. may or may not have been playing during this podcast um, <laughs> oh so... Steven and you have your oh. video turned on like yeah well sorry <laughs> There it is. Um, The video's here so that I... Wait, the video is on legit so that I can wave my hands like crazy and not cut everyone off. Remember the first two podcasts? Yes, yes. I was a naughty, naughty podcaster because I was so rude. So, but but the fact is... You had no idea until I told you because it's super simple and it's easy to just kind of let it go. And if you lose, it's not like you lost an hour of your life. You lost three minutes and it's fine. So I have not spent any money on this yet. Uh (laughs) And the way that it kind of gates you, obviously there's no such thing as a free-to-play game, right? We all know that. What you pay with is your time. Uh, The idea is if you win a match, you get a chest. And you can open the chest, but it takes like three hours yeah. real time unless you pay real money. And there's a free chest that pops every three every three hours. So uh-huh. legitimately, last night it was 2.30 in the morning and my son had a nightmare. And so he woke me up. Um, I may or may not have opened my phone and grabbed my chest because I said, you know what? He woke me up. I may as well get my, my free thing. <laughs> um, and what's interesting about it is, and I've handed it to my kids and let them mess around with it, is that it is simple enough that it is accessible to them and it teaches some very basic strategy. Like the different units are all kind of rock, paper, scissors, Mm. right? There's big units that don't attack anybody that just kind of lumber forward and try and attack towers. They have a lot of health and they do a lot of damage, but they don't, they just only hit buildings. Um, So they're susceptible to lots of smaller units. Um, And there's range units and there's flying units. And so I call it babies for strategy. I heard someone uh, say something about their husband playing. Me. Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how how deep into the weeds is he? Has he has he spent money on it? Or no. Did he not tell you that he spent money on it? No, he would tell. <laughs> no, he's not the type. He'll he'll put the time into it. But I can't talk. I play Neko Atsume and all that stuff. So yeah, uh, not gonna <laughs> knock that, it. <laughs> is that how you pronounce that cat game, Neko Atsume? I, I think so. I've been yeah. Pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> how do you pronounce? Well, how um, how have you been saying it, Stephen? I choose not to say. It. Oh, okay. I'm gonna plead. I'm totes. I am totes pleading the fifth. And yes, okay. I said totes in an ironic way. Um, so, um, that's Clash Royale has definitely been kind of owning my life. Other than that, it's been more Twilight Princess, which is super good. Mm-hmm. Super good. Awesome. Cool. So for me, more Plants vs Zombies, Garden Warfare Two. Uh, I, my husband and I actually did to jump into a few games over the weekend when he was on a brief trip home between all his travels so we didn't get to play a lot just a few games Uh, i'm still not totally having the hang of the new characters but it's that's a practice thing i think about how many hours i sunk into the first one to in order to be able to master all those those classes so it's not surprising to me but it's still super fun i am really really loving 
the hub area, the fact that the hub area is there and that I can go and do single player things if I don't feel like jumping into a multiplayer match, which is super cool. And then the other thing is thanks to the Nintendo Selects program, which I'm already loving, we downloaded Pikmin 3 and I am so happy. I love Pikmin so much. I played the first one, but I didn't play the second one. And now I'm just, I, it's all these like old Nintendo, they're not old, they're new versions of the old Nintendo games that we've been down, like Mario Kart and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it just makes me feel so warm and fuzzy. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a feeling that you don't normally get from video games, but yeah, so I'm playing Pikmin three. I'm absolutely loving it. And, uh, you know, that game can actually, it, it's designed in a way that it can be kind of brutal because you are going to mess up something on one of the days and you have to replay it. That's just kind of the way the game is made. And I remember when I played the first one, I thought that that was the stupidest thing in the world. I'm like, why should I have to replay things? But now it's, it's not really bothering me. I'm actually happy to go back and see how much more I can accomplish with my Pikmin in one day than I did the first time. So, so yeah, so that's a lot of fun. And that's one of the $20 Nintendo Selects. Yeah, uh, Super, Mario, Super Mario 3D World is there too. We downloaded that one. And then uh, obviously Hearthstone, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I probably don't even need to say that anymore <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast. That's just a given. Uh, it would probably, you know, just be worth it, me saying it if I don't if I don't say this so, or don't play it. Yeah. So um, I'll let you know if so, I don't play Alpha Bear. It's a deal. <laughs> right. are, you, are you still playing? That? Yes. Yeah. I nice. love that. Yeah. I, I, I loaded that up a little, a little while ago and did it like once. And then I'm like, yeah, I'd rather play Hearthstone. So, yeah, I mean, it's really cool. I like the game. I'm just kind of, just kind of over it. Which is funny because I figured that that's something that would that would happen to me with Hearthstone too when I first started playing it. I'm like, oh, I'll play this for a couple months and then I'll probably just be done with it. And nope, that's not how it worked. Well, it um, might have more staying power because you're playing against other people too. You know? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Thanks so much for listening. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, you can send those to hello at pixelkin.org. You can follow us on Twitter at pixelkin underscore org or at gaming with moms. You can find us on Facebook, simply pixelkin. And we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash pixelkin org. Steven is the editor and founder of a great website, engagefamilygaming.com. He hosts a podcast called Engage. A family gaming podcast. Go figure. Nice title, Stephen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, sorry. <laughs> Super creative. Super <laughs> creative. Um, and then they have a really cool Facebook group, uh, which is awesome. It's uh, it's, it's just called Engage Family Gaming, right? Uh, it's, well, it's it it's the, specifically it's called the Engage Family Gaming Community. But the easiest way to find it is to just go to engagefamilygaming.com/slash/community. Got it. Yes. Uh, it's a it's a really cool group. I'm really enjoying being in there. Lots of cool people posting lots of really cool things. And then Kelly, uh, like we said, is an editor at geekmom.com. And Kelly, do you want to give out your Twitter? Sure. It's um, at Kelly underscore Knox. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So I think that wraps things up. Thanks so much for listening. And we will be back with you next week. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Good day. Good day.